Hi there, I'm Michael Hall. And I'm Andy Davis. And we want to welcome you to The Dad Vantage, the D&D show where a couple of old school dads embrace new school play. With a few dad jokes thrown in. Always. Always. So today, uh, Andy and I thought we would talk about just getting started with D&D, what it takes, mm-hmm. maybe some tips and tricks for parents if you're helping your kids get started, or just in general, if you're getting started uh, yep. across the board. Andy and I spent a lot of time uh, teaching people D&D, getting people started in D&D. I think both of us have played with sort of an innumerable number of new to D&D people, and we feel like yep. there's some things that we've picked up along the way. So, Andy, why don't you get us started and, and sort of set yeah. the theme here on what it means to get people started for you and, and what, yeah. what are some core, well, we'll try to maybe get to like three or four tips a piece, but let's, yeah. let's I'll throw it to you to begin. Sure. So I kind of break it, when I think about getting people started playing, I kind of break it into different, slightly different categories. So if you're trying to get young children interested in it, Mm-hmm. It's a little different than if you're trying to deal with or manage teenagers who are interested in playing versus sure. playing with other you know peers and adults. Mm-hmm. You know, I think just straight up general tips, the D&D Essentials box set is awesome. It's a, if you're just looking for, I just want to get into the game, you're trying to teach yourself how to play or teach a small group of people who are your age. The, it, it's always going on sale somewhere. It's great. I, I honestly, I always buy a copy or two. And then whenever I hear somebody's interested in it, I just give it to them as a gift. Mm-hmm. You know, even That's if I can't play with them, I just sort of hand it out as like, Hey, start here. It's got the basic rules. It helps you understand the framework of the game. It's awesome that way. That's a great point, Andy, because the rules yeah. are a bit daunting, right? Oh, like yeah, when you, yeah. when you think about the rules of D and D like, it's not like other games. Right. Right. Which is a great sort of play into like when I play with young children, I try to find stuff that's thematically appropriate. So there's a, if you go on to DM's Guild, which is a website you can find, there are a ton of adventures there. There's one that won an award a couple of years ago, Give an Ogre a Cookbook, I think is the name of it. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's great for younger children. I don't, you know, you can't, you can play with a five-year-old. I know people who have tried to play with five-year-olds. It's very, it's almost not D and D just get to roll math rocks and sort of, you know, play pretend, but as they get a little older and they're a little more interested in the rules, I always try to think of, you know, younger kids, their, their attention is they're not going to be able to do a, a, I don't, I don't really think that it's appropriate to do like a big long campaign with them. I always think of it in the terms of a series of one shots yeah, I think they, they might have the same game. characters over and over again. Usually, what I'll do is I'll I'll just pre-roll characters for little kids, and just let them flavor them. Like you get to name it, you know, or you have a variety. Like, hey, you want to be an elven princess magic user? Great, here's an elven magic user. You want to be a dwarven barbarian or a dwarven fighter? Here's a dwarven fighter. And I think Andy, that's it, it, just I'm not to interrupt you, but I think yeah. that that's actually really good advice. That's applicable to almost anybody. Is it? Oh yeah. When you're when you're starting, start out with some one shots. Like if, if you're a DM and experienced DM in particular, but even if you're mm-hmm. a new DM, start out with some really simple stuff. Just try yeah. to get through a couple of one shots. Let people try out a couple of different characters. Mm-hmm. Don't don't get didactic about this big long adventure that everybody's going to start off on. Right. Because it's probably you gotta you gotta. This is a cooperative game, and everybody needs to sort of sit with the cooperativeness of it. 
mm-hmm. those one shots both teach young kids how to play, but they're also it's a good rule of thumb for any new people is to try just sort of you have to build some stamina to play D and D. Yeah. Right. So better yeah, to you understand do. what you're getting yourself into than to try to do a big long adventure and then blow it up because nobody's got the stamina to do it. Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent correct. I usually try to think of a good session to me for anybody has probably a social encounter and two to three short combat encounters, maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so like this is a few years ago. I I played a as like a Christmas gift to my brother and his children. I we did a we did a one shot that was essentially like how the Grinch stole stole Christmas oh, as a one shot, right? Great. You know, where where the Grinch was a goblin that turned out to be a green dragon. And you know, I made my brother play a support goblin who could all he could do is like throw fire throw flame flasks of oil which was just a gag on my brother but his daughter and his son they got to be the the heroes and you know super loose with rules you know i so like i had a a thing planned where it's going to be like okay there's going to be these three encounters one went long so i just stripped out one in the middle right we Mm -hmm. just went we went straight from like oh bunch of kobolds are attacking me or attacking the you know the christmas tree in the center of town you got to stop them from burning down the christmas tree right to oh you made it to this cave and you were they were going to have like a little encounter at the beginning of the cave that was kind of social and then wind their way through the cave the grinch's cave to get to the grinch at the end well it was taking too long so i just stripped out a whole bunch of stuff in the middle and they're like oh hey yeah you just get to the cave and i think that sort of plays into the idea especially with little kids relax about the rules right? You know, they want to roll dice. They want to be heroic. Let them be heroic. Don't worry about sort of holding them to, oh, you ran out of spell slots. Like, you know, like don't worry about the resource management or any of that stuff. That's a great point. I think those are, um, again, another great point that you could, that I was actually on my list of things to talk about that just don't sweat the rules. Yeah. If you're starting, but again, if you're experienced, don't sweat the rules with people that don't know the game. And even if you're all learning together, um, even if you're you know, yeah. a 13-year-old who's now playing with a bunch of other 13-year-olds, just don't sweat the rules. So the rules, nobody knows all the rules of D&D. I'm sorry. Like, I've been, been playing since I was nine years old, and I do not know the effing rules, right? Like, And, and oh, they, they change. change. They change. They evolve. And, and really, like, the thing that's hardest now for parents out there who maybe are just sort of thinking about getting their kids into D&D, even if they don't play, this, you, you have to understand, this is not a game that's played in one session. This is a game that's yep. generally conceptually played over multiple ones. You can play it in one. That's why we call it one shot. Yeah. But in general, you're playing 10 episodes, right? Like, yeah. even in the shorter sort of versions of it. And so it's, there's a certain organization that's required of this. And also, it is a cooperative game. There is no winner of this game. So a lot of these things that Not we're talking about. Not unless I had a DM. That's right. <laughs> the DM wins. And, and there's this idea of someone who's a, a dungeon master or a game master who's controlling the, the, the strings. So as a DM, as a group of people getting together, be flexible about the rules. Or just everybody can know some of the rules. Know the rule about your character. Know the rules. Or... In flow, and Andy and I were talking about this earlier, just read the description of what you're doing. You're casting a yep. spell. When you cast it, read the spell. It tells you what the rule is. <laughs> so, like, there, there's some really simple precepts here that you can extend with kids that are also true of any new player right. to the game. So, and what I find, so those are, that's young children, 
Yeah. When I think about teens and adults, they have, again, teens and adults, just it's like levels of sophistication almost around like themes that you can incorporate. Once we start getting to like teens and adults, I like to do a session zero. I think think session zero, it's one of those things. It's kind of not something I ever did when I was playing in sort of a A, D and D or any of those things. Nobody ever thought about that, but But it's brilliant. It is super, super smart. And one of the things it does is it lets you as a DM or you as the game master, even if you're just, it lets you kind of without any consequence, get a sense of what the player is looking for from an experience. It lets you as a DM, help you lets you and the players together sort of set boundaries around topics that you don't want to necessarily encounter or, or Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, so you might find out that there's, you know, you know, you're playing with a teenage girl who's 14 or 15. She doesn't want horses to be hurt at all. Right. You know, she doesn't want, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to play a Druid and I, or I'm going to play a Ranger and I want my beast familiar. And it's going to be my, this beautiful tabby cat. And you might find out that she's like, yeah, I really don't want the tabby cat to get hurt. Like, you know, that she's already invested in that. Mm -hmm. So then you as a DM need to sort of like, okay, for her to have an enjoyable experience, I need to manage that. Right. I need to understand that she, I can threaten the cat maybe, but I can't hurt the cat. You know, like mm-hmm. that's enough. And, you know, and, and vice versa, it lets you kind of talk to, you know, teenage boys who are st- almost always when they play straight up murder hobos are going to kill or want to kill everything. Yeah, You can kind of start to put some constraints around that of like, hey, guys, you know, you're going to encounter lots of different sorts of people. Try maybe not to kill everything. Or if you do kill everything, understand that I'm going to give you consequences for that stuff, just like you would see in the real world. I think Andy, that also, again, I'm going to keep interrupting yeah. you with the, with the extension of this. This is good advice, not just for teenagers. This is good yeah. advice for hundred percent. Right? Session like, zero is a teenagers set the, and adults. Set the tone. Thing. Set the tone. Yeah. Talk about, is it a PG campaign? Is it an R-rated campaign? Yeah. You got to have these conversations and you got to talk about like, what are some of the, when we say rules, we don't mean literal rules. We just mean like social interaction rules. This is yeah. a cooperative game and dungeon masters out there, new ones, you are not, you are in equal cooperation with your players, right? right? Like they want to play a game. You want them to play the game. So cooperate with them, make the yeah. game interesting to them and adjust. Yeah. And, and like, you know, so like, I'll say like, for me personally, as a player, I don't do sexual assault. I don't mm-hmm. hurt children. Same. Right. And I, yeah. and I am zero interest in playing in a campaign mm-hmm. where DM wants to lean into that stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. My, you know, your motivation is you were, you know, or my character gets, you know, sexually assaulted during part during play. Like I, right. if I'll, I'll, if somebody, if we have a session zero and I lay that out as a boundary and then we go into play and that becomes a thing, I will get up and walk away from the table. Yeah. I think like that's I no fair. interest in playing in those sorts of things. Same thing with racism. Like I really, I had a couple of interactions where I was playing, like I had a character who was a half elf and this DM without telling me in her con- the context of her games and how she played, oh, half elves were somehow lesser and they were treated. And so like all of a sudden she's like being really, you know, quite offensive to my character, which I of course, you know, took personally. And I remember checking in with her afterwards going like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, this is not what I'm here for. This is not the experience I want as a player, mm-hmm. you know, and we didn't have a session zero. It was just kind of an interesting thing. So those yeah. are things that like, I personally just straight up off the table. I don't. And as a DM, I have no interest in bringing them up. 
Yeah, I think it's know. really important, Andy. I think session zero it's, it was actually at the top of my list to just yeah. talk about the concept of a session zero because, again, like we we just said before, if you are going to play a long term ongoing game, it's going to be ten to twenty to thirty to fifty sessions. Just think about that yeah. for a second. Yeah. So having some ground rules, some social ground rules, walking into it, even just as particular if you're playing with people you don't know well, or certainly have never played D and D together, you need to set some ground rules. And you yep. can, the, the, I think that you, you hit on some of the big themes of a session zero. One, of course, is just like when can we play? Um, like, <laughs> right, like that, that's a, that yeah. you, when you're getting what, into adults, what do it gets you really want hard. To be? Let's roll yeah. some dice together. Yeah. Let's like and, try do a little trial combat. Let's like, right. introduce yeah. you into the things. And, but for new characters, it's really just the same thing. Like the sexual situations, always a topic that you need to address. Horror and violence, always a topic you need to address because horror comes up way more than sexual situations. Although you'd be surprised at how yeah. often sexual situations come up in gameplay, particularly in adults. But like horror and what people are comfortable with in the horror construct because D&D has a lot of violence. It is a violent game. It is a PG game, PG-13 game yeah. at its base. You can play it G, but it is at its base. You're you're, you're there mostly to kill I mean, things. Yeah, so there's yeah. some violence, right? Mm-hmm. And there's horror and horror and monsters and demons and undead and things that you're fighting. So how comfortable is your group with the elements of horror and that stretches into that like violence towards x y and z yeah right exactly and what are you comfortable with and then racism is a thing and there's a lot of politics about racism that are in the community right now being talked about for all sorts of reasons including the new rules so like you need to set some ground rules you need to understand who you're playing with particularly important if they're people you don't know well set the ground rules talk to them dnd is great for meeting people I'll, i'll just throw in there like now has never the, the pandemic has produced a thing for D that has made D a fantastic pandemic game because the hardest part growing up was finding people to play with the hardest right. part even as an adult finding people to play with you had to live near a hobby shop to go play your game at a hobby shop if you wanted to meet people and expand the group of people you play with rather than just your right. friends online has produced both the use of D&D Beyond in terms of character creation and character facilitation, and then all of the, the tools like Roll20, the, the oh, online yeah. playing tools, like you can legit play frequently and find games. It is not hard to do that. So yeah. we'll talk, I'll, I'll, I'm going to put a pin there because I want to talk about a little bit about some rules for doing all that, sort of the obvious yeah. things you need to know as a parent, right? But like, I think now has never been a better time to play and you right. need to establish some ground rules because you're probably going to be playing with somebody you've never met before. And I will a hundred percent endorse playing like being some of the most satisfying experiences I've had as a parent have been DMing for my children. Yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. I started, I started a game with my son and half a dozen of his friends. We wanted, we had, the 5e player's handbook had just come out. We'd just gotten our hands on the DMs guide. And basically, you know, I'm, I'm busy, right? You know, I'm like all of us, you know, we're an adult. You've got, I got a career. I do not have the time to read or memorize 500 pages of rules. Yeah. So what I did, and I highly recommend this to, to people, especially if you have like, you know, obsessive children, like my, my son in particular is, you know, they're just boys that like to learn rules. 
I basically sat down at the table and said, I'm going to be the DM. I'm going to set the framework for the game. We're going to have an adventure that does X, Y, and Z. You guys, you guys, but you guys figure out how to make your characters. You guys figure out what the rules are. And I just was there as an arbiter. So I learned the rules along with them half the time where they'd be like, Hey, I would be like, Hey, how does combat work? And one of them would have read the combat section of the, of the player's handbook and be like, Oh, we got to do this. And then after that, like they, we all kind of learned it together. And that is a hundred percent a great way to like learn to play the game. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, to the point earlier, like be flexible with the rules. Like, you know, we would just make calls. We'd, I would just be like, okay, well, we're going to do it this way for the time yeah. being. And if it's wrong, we'll figure it out later. You will find for those of you who are relatively new to D and D or people that are exploring it, you will find that there is a never ending question about every single freaking <laughs> rule on the planet yes. and you can go as deep as you want about the rules right. but at the same time again cooperative game designed to be loose designed for the rules to be arbitrated in game that is what makes it such a powerful experience yeah is that it's loose and it's open and yep. the more things that create the looseness and open it's about having fun and just sort yep. of enjoying the journey and yeah. that's really what it's about. If you can embody that spirit, you'll you'll get it right, no matter what. Yeah. So, and what I've discovered while playing with the, sort of the teenagers, a murder hobos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think one of the things that works really well with teenagers is to play. You know, you were talking about like epic campaigns where your character goes from level one to level twenty, fifty, mm. hundred sessions. They can take right. years, right? You know, they can be yeah. as involved as you want. For teenagers at that age, I found that short series of like short length campaigns, right? So mm -hmm. like, like think of them as like little story arcs, right? Story yeah. arc that lasts three sessions. Perfect. Great. That's sort of focused on one character and like their backstory. And then you jump to another thing and, it, and, and you can let time pass in between. People can like learn more. I think the other thing that works well, and this is true for adults and teenagers is use level one through three to really teach people who have never played before the mechanics, right? So think of it, the way the game's kind of designed at this point is you really are leveling up after your, your if you start out as level one, you're going to level up after your first, your first encounter and your first, you know, you're going to level up after your first session of gameplay, right? So as part of that, Think of that as like, okay, let's let's explore social interaction. You're going to talk to some NPCs. You're going to make some checks around charisma, intimidation, persuasion, whatever those things are. And you're going to like use that to kind of teach that part of the game. And maybe you're going to have like a simple combat, right? Simple combat, you know, it's kind of one one to one. Like, hey, guess what? You're going to, you got four characters. You're going to fight four bandits, yeah, right? And the bandits are, you know, and that's going to be, potentially pretty threatening combat, you know, like characters, you know, it's easy to kill characters at level one, level two, they've upscaled their abilities. You're going to introduce them to what that means when their abilities go up. And then you're going to kind of help them explore some of their expanded capabilities. And then you get to level three. And at that point, everybody should have a feel for the basic mechanics, mechanics of the broad game yeah. and level three and beyond is then like learning more about, Oh, I'm playing a druid what happens when I play a druid and why am I making decisions? Yeah, you know, level, like, levels one and two are the tutorial levels. Yeah. Right? They really are. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that they're, they're simple. There's not a lot of things they can do, but that's, 
sort of okay. Yeah. One thing I would say, and we didn't talk about this in session zero, but I think it's legit, particularly with younger kids. Like if you have not had a conversation about death, you probably should not be playing D&D. <laughs> so let's, I'm going to assume that you've had a conversation about death with your kids, right? Again, I'm just going to assume it. Not everybody has, but I'm just going to assume it. <laughs> you need to gauge, and this actually goes for teenagers too, and even adults. You need to talk in session zero about how comfortable you are with dying as a character. Now, right. because particularly if you're starting out levels one and two, you can die by accident. <laughs> like, you know, like it really is not, easy. it really, really, easy. really like easy. Just a couple of dice rolls go the wrong way and your character is dead. And like, I think as a DM, you need to acknowledge that you need to talk about it. You have to say, Hey, are you guys comfortable? There's a term called total party kill. There are DMs out there. They're searching for total party kills. They want to murder their, their cut, their, their players, which is stupid in my mind. Yeah. Can um, I, can I interrupt yeah. with one anecdote? Yeah. I was playing with my daughter and a, couple of her friends from school one of her friend's brothers decided to join the only way we could introduce him was his character had been trapped in a cave with was a rogue trapped in a cave with this monster they start fighting the monster rogue drops out and tries to take the opportunity basically to help them kill the kill the creature he never got to speak a word to them because the he just he rolled so badly so badly like missed the attack got stomped on, got poisoned by the spider, whatever it was, was down to like, you know, he was like a second or third level rogue, like got hit super hard. Like I just rolled great on damage. And then he's into death saves. Right. So like, I mean, like literally like he had like two actions. He gets, he get he he's, he's rogue. He's really dangerous. I focus on him because he's doing a lot of damage to my monster. He gets, hammered i killed him you know he rolled like he rolled a he rolled that one on his second death save yeah. and was just dead and he had written like a five page backstory oh, for this guy. guy like i mean it was super deep and i felt so bad i made a little gravestone for him for his character and gave it to him the next time i saw him i was like here you go here's time here it is it, it happens people it happens it's a no, real you gotta thing come. so you gotta have that conversation at some yeah. point better sooner than later but you gotta have that conversation are you okay with this this happens because as a DM, there are a lot of things you can do to, like, right. you can't change their roles, but you, you hide your role. There's a reason you roll behind the screen, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you can know, nerf you can, some stuff. You, you can, can nerf some stuff if you need to. I don't, I love making, I love pushing my characters into death, but I hardly ever kill them, right? Like, I yes. love getting, well, it's like, like it, the it, tension it, of being the yeah, DM, right? It, is you want right. to create, you're trying to create drama. Yeah. your character and you got to make sure everybody's okay with it and you got to let people know particularly again yeah. this whole idea of this is an opportunity to have conversations yeah with people and social interactions with people and you need to take it seriously um, particularly as the dm all right andy i know you got a couple more things so let's yeah let's yeah i just was going to say out. like the, yeah. I, I would say the the so then you know you've got teenagers and then i think when you're talking to adults that's this is one kind of like are you talking to peers like mm-hmm one of the things that makes D&D so much fun is the idea of creating backstories and creating these sort of like interconnected parts of all these characters. <laughs> and I think teenagers, they have, you know, they just don't have that much experience, right? So their, their view of the backstory can be relatively unsophisticated. When you start to play with adults, the sorts of themes that you can explore together become a little more, they just become richer, right? Yeah. You know, you can start to talk about loss. You can start to talk about, 
you know, what it, what does being a hero really mean? Like what mm-hmm. consequences of actions in a, in a way that you can't necessarily do with teenagers. You don't have to play that way, but you know, it can be fun to play yeah. that way. Yeah. So I always with them, I start to think like, try to help them work on backstories, try to make sure their backstories are like well-connected to the setting that you're playing in maybe more so than you might've done with a teenager. And then, you know, help them kind of like more quickly kind of integrate into a party as a group, because it is like the, the fun part of D and D is playing with your friends, right? Mm-hmm. It's great to play with as an older person. It's great to play with teenagers and people who are younger, you know, much younger than you are. Cause it can just be like radically different way to view the game and it can just be wildly entertaining but it's not necessarily as you know as like creating the sort of connections you do when you're playing with people who are closer to being your peers and that's kind of like one of the more enriching parts of the game for me personally so i usually try to do similar to the teenagers get through level one level two in those first couple of sessions get them up to speed and then get them into kind of the meat of the story you know, starting around level three so that people can really start to like experience it as a story and as an adventure. And And I think there's, there's a lot of different environments where you can bring the, you know, the tavern of course is always a great place to start a game, a caravan. There are a lot of places that you can start the game that that can, that can allow for somebody to level up, produce a couple of innocuous interactions that that don't have to drive the story forward that help people sort of practice being a character. So a caravan, uh, a festival, a tavern is the, the biggest trope of all tropes, but there are a million different ways to get at this. Yep. Um, but I think that's a great, great advice, Andy. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing too, is like, you know, you, you get to, I think one of the things that kids have easier than, and even teenagers have easier than adults is the idea of role-playing. Mm-hmm. Kids are used to playing pretend. Yeah. That's, right? my, that's and, on my list. I want to talk about and, that. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you can do, when you're playing with adults is give them permission to be silly, yeah. right? Give them permission. Like don't somebody wants to try to do their Scottish accent and carry it through for an entire conversation. And slowly it changes into some sort of crazy British thing. <laughs> do not judge them on the fact that they cannot, they're not a professional yeah. voice actor and they cannot hold that accent, you know, let them let people, you know, give people permission at the table to go for it without judgment for that sort of That's stuff. Cause point. it does make the game yeah. like super fun. That, Andy, that, that brings up a great point that was also on my list. Look, role-playing. There are so many different flavors of role-playing. And, mm-hmm. and old-school D&D was not about role-playing. No. Old-school D&D was very much a describe the action that your character is taking, not perform the action right. your character is taking. With the rise of online play, with the, things like uh, Critical Role or Dimension 20 or yeah. the Dungeon Dudes or whatever, you know, Dungeons of Drakenheim, there are all sorts of great play examples out there for you to go watch. Like if you really want to start, I, you know, go watch some of these shows. Recognize yeah. that some of them, Critical Role, uh, Dimension 20, are R-rated. Right. Recognize that yep. there are PG ones out there. The reason that's why I mentioned the Dungeons of Dragon with the Dungeon Dudes, PG, right? Still horrific, but but no sexual situations, right? Yeah. So there yeah. are things out there that somebody can go watch to get a flavor of what it's like to play D&D. Almost all of these are role-playing heavy with people that probably have theater backgrounds. Yeah. So you don't have to achieve theater background <laughs> level performance in your role playing. It's the only it, like as right. much as these are great examples and will get you really excited about I want to go play. You can still be the person who says my barge sings. 
you do not have to come up with a song. You do not have to <laughs> the song. Yes. You do not. You just describe. My bard is going to sing like Freddie Mercury on stage at Wembley and going to try to convince everybody that this thing is going to happen. That is the level. That is a completely acceptable level of role right. playing within the D and D construct, and has actually the longest history of role playing within the D and D construct. Some people are going to try to do the voice. I like to do the voices when I can. I like to embody my character sometimes when I can. I can't always do it. I don't always have the energy to keep it up for three hours, right? Yeah. Like that's a long time if you're in a three-hour session to just constantly being uh, in character. You can just describe what your character yeah. is doing, and yeah. that is that's what the dice are for, man. Yeah. So it's it's very funny because like I I tend to play. I don't actually do a lot of like in character role play while i'm playing i my mm -hmm. i tend to be more like trying to think through the actions that the character is going to take to sort of live up to what that character would do i mean that this is a almost a totally different conversation about like how how to role play i think that idea yeah. yeah you know but but for me the the thing is is as a dm and as someone who's organized even if you're not the dm if you're just helping organize the game for people who are learning to play helping them understand that the bar that they, they, they can set the bar wherever they like, right? If it is talking about their character in the third person the yeah. whole time, that's fine. Yeah. If it's a narrator like, of your own game. Yeah, and that, exactly. Each, and if, and each if, person can take a different path. And if somebody is like, you know, it can sometimes be really intimidating. I think for new players to show up at a table with, experienced players because the experienced players they want to role play they want to do big you know they're very being very theatrical and the new players are like i just i want to hit him yeah. can i hit him with my sword right yeah. and you just need to let do i have people, a sword do I have <laughs> a sword? Know? yeah you know like, okay yeah let's let's go through like help uh, help them understand that you know character sheets are complicated it's especially when you're playing casters and other kind of even more complicated classes so i don't know so just generally i think that the goal is if you're introducing someone, recognize that they're new to the game. Be easy with the rules. You know, everybody's there to have fun. If somebody is not having fun, then take them aside and try to understand why they're not having fun and what, what they're make it what what them. what will make it fun for them. And if they yeah. don't know what will make it fun for them, then try varying the playing experience yeah. so that they can have more. You know, some people don't really like combat, yeah. right? They don't enjoy the tactical sides of it, but they love. Kind of social point. interactions yeah, and social other people are completely yeah. the other way they could care less about shopping they just want to chop stuff up yeah you know i think that yeah. that's those are fantastic piece of advice i only have one last thing on my list andy do you have anything else on your list uh, that's about it for me okay. i think i mean of course you could talk about this for days yeah, so. days well, well it'll be a theme that you yeah. can pick up in most of our <laughs> in most of our yeah. discussions but I, the last thing i would say is that there are for the people starting out there there are a lot of really that just use the pre-built adventures don't don't oh, yeah. don't don't you, you can of course go do homebrew adventures and they're fantastic you can take chunks and pieces out of uh, 10 different uh pre-built and put them together into a, a mashup adventure that's fantastic too but if you're starting just go do some of the pre-built some of the pre-builds are fantastic they're fun as heck they, they, they play really well. And some of them are just really easy to DM. So like Lost Mind of Fandelver. Yeah. First thing that was released for 5A. Fantastic. Really simple. Really interesting gameplay. Got some interesting hooks in it. You can play it a bunch of different ways. You can go watch some people live play it just to get some ideas. 
but like it's really simple it's very easy to dm and very easy to play in and the, I, I love the shattered chasm in in uh that you can get in the yawning portal that one also is just really really easy to play easy the shattered to DM. chasm or the sh- or i'm sorry citadels. a shattered ch- uh, the shattered citadel shattered citadel no sun, getting it right? sunlit, it's the sunless citadel sun, holy crap sun, i simply messed that up thank you for endorsing my, my yeah, homebrew I, uh, right shattered I, chasm I, at, at that level right. i appreciate that there you go it's brilliant <laughs> Um, no, the, the Sunless Citadel in the Yawning Portal. I think that's a fantastic uh, session to just run. Again, fun, lots of role-playing opportunities, some great characters, some great villains. There are lots of these out there, and you can go find them there and, and, and activate them. And you can, you know, if you're playing them in Roll20, you can buy them in Roll20 and that you've got right. all the assets. Like, it's just, there's stuff out there to make this easier and bring you on board in a very structured way. Um, I can't say enough about watching and just listening to podcasts, listening to people talk about D&D. It's a great way to get introduced as you're thinking about it. The one thing I will say is it, and Andy and I have had this conversation quite a bit, is you will encounter people that are obsessed with optimization throughout your entire D&D life. Career. Yeah, right? And that's okay. There are, there, there, like what I would say though, and Andy and I are fur believers is that I, I lean into the optimization stuff, but the optimization stuff to me is everything in between gameplay. I love theory crafting. I love building characters. I love looking at, you know, how can I optimize this type of character or do that? That doesn't necessarily belong in the game itself. It is the in between the game game. Yeah. And people will endlessly tell you this is the best character, that is the best character. As the rules open up, which they're doing right now, as things sort of change and shift, you will have opportunities to just be more flexible in your play yeah. style. And just, you know, the game itself is tons of fun. And just be open and fluid and adjust on the fly. It Optimization is meaningless to a good DM because a good DM will balance the game themselves. So as you're learning to a DM, learn how to balance and go do the pre-built things because the pre-built things will give you a sense of how to do that. So those are my, the two things that I would sort of close on for me is lots of pre-built content that you can go out there and run, play in, fantastic, lots of fun, great stuff, really well made. And then just don't, just have fun with it. Be loose, um, be loose with it. I I would, just to, just to add to that, my my big, if you've never played before and you've never DM before, get the essentials kit. Yeah. Um, it, it will introduce you to the game and at a very, it's, you know, it's 20 bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you find it on sale, mm-hmm. it, it playing D and D does not require the huge investment in 40 books and all the minis and all the rest of it. You can play it with a piece of big sheet of paper in the middle of your, in the middle of your dining table and one set of dice for everybody like you can it it doesn't have to be the big thing that sometimes people create it that sometimes you see it so i would say the essentials kit if you're interested in dming and you want to do more and you're maybe a slightly more experienced dm and you want to find some other resources but again not necessarily get into like buying each and every one of the books i would say check out the dms guild there are just 
literally thousands of PDFs that you can download and identify that are, and with all kinds of great campaigns that are all tuned to all kinds of different interests and different platforms and games. So DMs Guild, the Essentials Kit. And then if you've done some of that and you want to start like leaning, and then I would say as far as like as a player or even as a DM trying to find players, Roll20, awesome. And then once we once we get out of COVID, I also would really endorse like going to your, your FLGS, your friendly local game store and yeah. talking to them. You know, they're great resources. Those people are almost always. I don't think I've yeah. ever been in a game store where they weren't at least somewhat into D and D. Yeah. You'll find someplace that, that does it, you know, and a lot of them have, you know, like days that you can go play with other people. I mean, the group that I play with most regularly these days, it's a group of people, they're all half my age, and I met them all playing at a local game store. And now we're we've known each other now for three or four years and we're all great friends. It's yeah, it's it's very, very satisfying. So that's a great way to round us yeah. out, Andy. There's only one thing left as the oh my close gosh. in yeah. on, on ep- this episode, and that is it's the dad a, joke. I feel like this is appropriate given the themes. Um Michael, why are most spellcasters considered unbalanced? I should know this one, but I don't, Andy. Why are most spellcasters considered unbalanced? Because they can trip. <laughs> can trip. For all See, you that, people who are learning about D&D, like, can trip, sort of level zero Level zero spell. spell. Yeah, you so can always do it. Can't, can't, can't trip. trip. Can't, can't trip. trip. Awesome. All right. Well, once again, thank you for listening to The Dead Vantage. We really appreciate our audience and we really um, look forward to talking to you the next time. Talk to you later.